and welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Today is May 21st, 2013, and it is broadcast number 35. Today we'll be talking with two students who are going to be graduating here in a very short period of time, in fact, in uh, three days. Uh, Two students who have uh, endured, as it were, four years of seminary work, life, and everything that goes along with it. And we'll come back to that in just a minute. I want to bring you up this date on a few things that have been happening around here, mainly the new segment that I've introduced on the ConfessingOurHope.com website that allows you, the listener, to basically be part of the program, in a sense, by emailing your questions of a theological or practical nature uh, to Dr. Joseph Piper. He is the president of the seminary in which he will sit down with me once a month, and we will go through these questions and uh, interact with them um, from an obviously biblical perspective. So if you are interested in participating, it's very simple. You just email confessingourhope at gpts.edu, or you can go to the website and fill out the simple form there to submit your questions. Either way, uh, send them in, and uh, any question is accepted, not necessarily going to be used, but... um, Send it in, and if those who do send their questions in, and it is used on the air, we will be sending you a free book, and I will get more information about that and post it on the website in the near future. Also, don't forget about the mobile app that is uh, available and free for your use. Uh, We've had roughly 900 downloads of it, which contains all of these podcasts, as well as the Spring Theology Conference, Chapel Sermons, and other material for your benefit. So get a hold of it. It is free and uh, for your use. And of course, do not forget about the Greenville Seminary website. That is gpts.edu. If you are thinking about going to seminary or maybe have an interest in what we are doing here, you will find all that information there on that website. As I said, we're going to be speaking with two gentlemen who are graduating uh, this Friday uh, for Greenville Seminary, four years of intensive work, labor, and we'll be speaking with Mr. Joshua Sparkman, who some of you probably know that name already because I've brought it up from time to time in fun kinds of ways uh, throughout other broadcasts. Uh, we'll be speaking with him and then also Mr. Mike Myers, who happens to be, they happen to be brother-in-laws, so it's uh, interesting, the brother-in-law broadcast that has been coined already uh, off-air. So, gentlemen, it's good to have you on the program. And what I want to do, um, just for to get things rolling, is start with Josh. And tell me a little bit, or tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, because they probably don't know much about who you are. So give us a brief background and um, maybe lead right up to the point where you decided to go to seminary in the first place. Okay. Well, um, my name is Joshua Sparkman, and I was converted when I was in my early 20s. I was converted in a Pentecostal church, went from Pentecostal to... Uh, what I didn't know at the time was a, uh, a liberal Presbyterian church to a Reformed Baptist house church, and then finally into uh, the PCA. I, um, I grew up as an atheist, actually. Um, we never really 
went to church. We never really did anything like that. Uh, had very little Christian influence in my life, with the exception of uh, my grandfather. And uh, as I said, I went from Pentecostal to reform uh, to uh, uh, to liberal Presbyterian, not knowing what a liberal Presbyterian was. So I went from a Pentecostal church into a uh, a, a liturgical high church. Um, uh, Sunday morning worship, uh, which is the exact opposite of the charismatic movement. Uh, having started reading the Bible uh, in the Pentecostal church and then uh, looking at the confessions uh, that the PCUSA church held to, I realized uh, that I was not in the place that I needed to be and uh, started migrating uh, into a, uh, a church context where I was receiving more gospel light. I started reading Puritans and ended up in the PCA. And so I am now uh, married. I have uh, uh, Lori uh, Joy as my wife. We've been married for two years, and we have a, a five-month-old boy named Kellen William. Well, that's great, and I do remember when that all happened. It's interesting. Uh, Josh was married in seminary, and we're going to come. We're going to come back to that. Um, but our other guest uh, this morning, uh, Mr. Mike Myers, he was married before seminary, so there's a little bit of a different setting, I guess, as it were, different issues that come along with that. Um, but Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and maybe a little bit about where, what led you up to going to seminary? Uh, what gave you the sense that, you know, this is something you might want to do with your life? Yeah, well, I'm Mike, uh, I'm Mike, I'm a, I'm 25 years old right now. So I came here when I was pretty young. I actually uh, got here to seminary when I was 21. Um, I had the great blessing, and I've uh, been able to reflect and mature in how much of a blessing this is that I did grow up in a Christian home. And uh, sometime between my time of birth and now, the Lord was pleased to uh, to speak light into my dark heart. And um, my parents taught me about the Lord Jesus pretty much my entire life, and, and I've, I've not known a day, really, that I haven't believed in Him, though there were times where certainly I walked contrary to, to how I ought to have. Um, the the path that brought me to seminary is is an interesting one, um, and it's and it's good to look back through your life and see God's hand of providence. It mm-hmm. really is. Uh, mm-hmm. It's an amazing thing how He weaves our lives together, and how uh, we intersect different people at different points, and and all all in God's wonderful plan. Uh, I ended up going to college in Charleston, South Carolina, as a as a pitcher. Uh, I played baseball at that level, and uh, God used that to. Uh, introduced me to a number of people, um, one of them being, well, actually, this wasn't in college, but I actually I met a friend of mine through a, through a ministry in New Jersey, an evangelistic ministry at the Boardwalk Chapel in New Jersey through the OPC, a man named Nick Batzig, who's actually a graduate from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met him in the summer of 05, right before I went down to school. And uh, that, that first semester of my college, I was a very arrogant, um, prideful, young, uh, growing athlete, and a teammate of mine was actually killed that first year, mm. and and that really brought a lot of sobriety to my life. Um, I, uh, the verse that really impacted me the most was James 4, uh, 14, where it says, you know, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And it was through that, <clears throat> and also through the discipleship from Nick, uh, that, that happened as a result. He taught me much uh, of the doctrines of grace, a lot of uh, covenant theology, uh, around Thanksgiving time and following, and, and he's been a good friend of mine ever since. Mm. And it was through that that I began to, to read the Scriptures uh, voraciously. I began to, to 
feel the weight of eternal things a lot more pointedly. And then the luster of baseball began to diminish significantly. Um, I remember sitting there charting pitches thinking, you know, I'm, I'm spending hours and hours and hours every week to play, to learn how to throw baseball. And that's not all bad. It's not bad to play baseball, but I, I wanted to, to really pour my life into something else. And it's through that time, uh, through the session of the church where I'm a member now, Oakbrook Community Church in Somerville, South Carolina, um, the elders uh, allowed me time to teach and exercise my gifts, uh, and they encouraged me to pursue the ministry. So I came under care, and um, and then through the, through Nick Batzig and also my other brother-in-law, John Holst, who's a graduate of here, uh, encouragement to, to consider Greenville Seminary. And mm-hmm. so that's that's really what brings us here. Well, that's well said. And um, it's, it is interesting, as you mentioned, uh, looking <clears throat> back on your life, um, I, I remember a pastor saying one time that God's providence is best read backwards. You can't always tell when you're in the middle of things how God is maneuvering you through uh, different paths. And you look back on your life and you can see, well, if that hadn't happened, I would have gone. I may have gone this way instead of that way. Or if this hadn't happened, I may have been had a different attitude or different perspective on something. So it's interesting to hear you tell that story. I know we've talked about that a little bit in the past, and uh, but it's good to hear that fuller-orbed view. I would say this, though, that with reading God's providence backwards, how important that is, um, because you can see how things have worked together, mm-hmm. but it's also important. This is a lesson I've learned through through different you know different hardships we've gone through in the past years. Is knowing that it's good to read God's providence backwards, looking back and seeing, but then remembering when you're in the middle of yep. something mm-hmm. that's difficult mm-hmm. that you know God's providence is still there. His yep. hand is still at work, certainly, and so that really helps. You know, that really is an anchor for the soul in many ways. Yeah, that's well said, and it's a good reminder. For all of us to keep that um, that in mind. Now, I'll start with Mike. Um, you already alluded to the fact of some of the influences you've had to come to Greenville. Um, certainly, you know that there's plenty of Reformed slash Presbyterian theological seminaries that exist in the United States. You had your choice of just about any of those. Why Greenville? Um, you mentioned the influence of those people that were close to you, so that certainly was a big factor. Was there other elements that led you to come here and choose here as opposed to other places? Well, my, my decision was actually kind of easy. Uh, as I said, I was young. I graduated college at 21. Um, I actually hadn't researched seminaries very much, and so in a sense, uh, Greenville was really the only viable option for me uh, because you know, I mean, naturally, from from the influences I had, they encouraged Greenville Seminary. I looked at some other schools, but but I was pretty much decided uh, to come here from the beginning. Uh, the practical reasons I came here, uh, on a, just a sheer you know financial basis, you can't beat you can't beat the cost of this seminary. Uh, really, my church supported me through seminary. I'm a tuition waiver student, and uh, I wouldn't have been able to get through without that. So the cost factor is a no brainer. Um, the location is fantastic. And again, I'm talking on practical terms here. This mm-hmm. isn't the only reason I chose to come here. Um, just a great area. Uh, I also, you know, I got tired of being down by the coast, and I mm-hmm. love the mountains. And so mm-hmm. you have you have mountains up here. So it's just a great area. Um, really what sealed the deal for me uh, theologically and educationally was when I came here uh, for a prospective student lunch uh, in March, I think, of 2009. Yeah, it would have been March of 2009. Dr. Dyer actually stood up. And, and he said, you know, we look out in the church and there's often a disparity 
Uh, you have you have pastors who are who are who are kind and warm-hearted men, but they they're just they they can be lacking in their preaching ability. Mm-hmm. And you see men who can preach extremely well, but are very distant from their flock. And he said their mission here is to train effective pastors who preach extremely well. And that to me resonated. I that's exactly what I wanted, and uh, that's what I got. And so um, that's that is the main reason I came here mm. is for that reason alone. That's really well said, Josh. How about you? Um, I'm sure some of those reasons are similar, but uh, maybe different as well. Yeah. Um, honestly, when I was making the decision to uh, to come to Greenville, um, I pretty much uh, had the same mentality. I put all my eggs in one basket. Um, but I did have help. Uh, my pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church in Mobile, Alabama, whose name is uh, Dennis Eady, uh, really recommended strongly uh, to come to Greenville. Um, he did not. He was not a Greenville graduate. Um, but recommended that as far as the quality of preachers that are coming out of the seminary, as far as uh, the orthodoxy is being taught, that it really be the best thing to equip me well with a heart and as far as gifts uh, to pastor uh, the Lord's Church. But in, a, in addition to Dennis Eady, it was also Rob Looper in McElwain Presbyterian Church, uh, uh, he not only recommended uh, Second Presbyterian Church to me, he also rec- uh, recommended Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. And so I put all my, like I said, I put all my eggs in one basket and um, sent in a pretty funny picture with my, uh, with my, uh, I my resume. That. Hey, Josh, can you tell everyone about the time I that... I do remember um, that. Can you tell everyone about the time that you almost got arrested for uh, being a homeless <laughs> guy at Second Presbyterian Church? Um, I think it's completely pertinent to our you, podcast. You think it's pertinent to the mm-hmm. podcast? Yeah. Um, I had been in Greenville uh, for maybe three weeks, four weeks. I had uh, started singing in the choir down at Second Presbyterian Church, and I wanted to get there early uh, Sunday afternoon in order, uh, just in order to prepare, in order to uh, to get a little bit of time by myself uh, to 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 then begin singing. And uh, so I showed up early, but the doors were locked. And so I'm <clears throat> knocking on the doors and uh, waiting for someone to come. And, you know, I didn't think anything of it. Uh, the parking lot's often used for police officers. And so a police officer kind of strolled up into the parking lot, turned back to knock on the door again, uh, uh, called somebody to try and get into the, into, the, uh, into the church, looked back around, and there were five police officers, <laughs> um, one very large man, uh, getting out of his car, yelling at me to put my hands on the wall. So this was my uh, this was this was my my greeting to Second Presbyterian Church and life in Greenville Seminary, and uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting an interesting experience. I uh, I am a fugitive. It's been all downhill from there. <laughs> it's huh? been all downhill. Well, as I mentioned, <laughs> as I mentioned up front, this is kind of the brother-in-law <clears throat> broadcast, and 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 as as you just heard, <clears throat> these are little insights that even I'm not privy to, um, <laughs> as the host. So that was good. Um, a little humor. Uh, along the way. Uh, let me uh, start with Josh. I'm interested in a, a few things about your time here. I, obviously, this is a four-year program. For those who are not aware of the fact that Greenville is a four-year program, not a typical three-year MDiv track um, that a lot of other schools are on, and there's reasons for that. But um, I wonder, as you started as a student here, was it everything you thought it would be uh was it below your expectation or was it actually when you, as you became a first year student and started working through the process did you 
have a sense that this is going to be more difficult than even I anticipated. Let me let me go back to uh, where I was going earlier and why I chose specifically Greenville Seminary, and then I'll get to that. Mm-hmm. I chose it because of the curriculum. When I looked at the curriculum of other seminaries and I looked at the curriculum of this seminary, I saw just how thorough it was in systematic theology, in history, in the languages, and I was sitting there thinking to myself, I don't need something easy. I need something that will be challenge that will be a challenge to me that will really push me. And so when I first got here, um, there were challenges. Uh, life as a single student, um, life without my wonderful and beautiful wife, uh, it, it certainly presents its challenges in the midst of learning Greek, in learning Hebrew, and working at a church, and seeking to minister to the Lord's people in the local church. And so it's, it's kind of all of it. It's, it's the whole hodgepodge of, of life as a seminary student. And... Um, and so, yeah, there were, um, for instance, uh, for instance, Greek. I, I, I think because of my German background, I was a, 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 I had a major in German for uh, in, at the University of South Alabama, and because of my German, German is a lot like Latin, which is a lot like Greek. Um, <clears throat> I had an easier time picking up Greek. Um, Hebrew, though, uh, was much more challenging to me because it's a simpler language. It's not as synthetic. As, as as Latin or as or as Greek, um, and so I, I had a hard time actually with the easier, more basic language of Hebrew. Mm. Um, that presented itself. I had I spent far more time studying Hebrew, getting my eyes adjusted to the page, getting my eyes adjusted to the alphabet than I ever did with Greek, and so that was one aspect. Um, at first though, when you're looking at the academic rigor in the first year, it's not as hard as in latter years. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other problems. There are other heart problems that really present themselves in the midst of that. You're looking for this great, glorious, ah, oh, this is seminary, everything's going to be a gem and a nugget that I'll be able to use to shepherd the Lord's flock, and it's, and it's not. And it's hard if you don't come with the right heart attitude. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much that the that the material presents itself as dry, and uh, but but really it's 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 my heart and my willingness to sit down to do the work to do the work as devotion to the Lord to do the work as a, a, as a love to the Lord's people. Um, that's what I struggled with for for nearly a year and a half, mm. and. Uh, it was. It was. It was hard to keep up with the work because of that, um, because I didn't necessarily want to do every every bit of it. Um, it was hard to, to to find joy in it in t- at times, and I think that's a reality that a lot of students don't come to the seminary with. And so, yeah, uh, in, in those first few years, uh, you learn what you must do and where your heart must be, and that's really it re- it's really getting back to what must happen to the seminary student on the Lord's day. Um, listening and being under the preaching of the Word of God so that you might be formed and cultivated, mm-hmm. given, given the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in order to do a work like this. And I remember when I first came to seminary, I thought I knew things <laughs> and um, found out pretty quickly I didn't know anything. I, I have summarized seminary uh, in the past as a daily rebuke 
and restoration in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's that's what that's what seminary is. Yep. Mike, how about you? How, what were some of the challenges you found, especially as a first year student, but even beyond <clears throat> that? But as you came into seminary, the whole idea of going to seminary is it's a good thing, um, but it carries with it its own struggles and maybe misconceptions when you finally get into the work of it and you start thinking wow this is more than i expected maybe um what was your experience yeah uh one thing before i do that i forgot to mention during my little biography that i i am married married and my wife's name is katie it's okay katie don't worry about it and uh (laughs) katie's a, a really great wife uh it's she's uh Lori's older sister and i have two sons nate and zach so sorry about that anyway um I would first, uh, here's a little uh, a book promotion for you, B.B. Um, B. Warfield's <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Spiritual Life of the Theological Student. Mm-hmm. I would highly recommend that, and I think it's actually required reading for first years. I don't know, but um, that book was very helpful, uh, even though I can't completely remember the title. Uh, so I, I struggled the first year uh, for a number of reasons, mostly because um, – it was kind of a strange combination of, of trepidation uh, and pride, which is a weird thing. Um, but, you know, here I am, the youngest guy by far in the seminary, uh, in, you know, graduate-level studies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, here I am as a 21-year-old student in graduate-level studies. And so I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit um, gun-shy. To, um, I'm a little bit scared, nervous. Uh, and really, I think there was no better class to start with than Bebo Elkin's History of Philosophy. It really, mm-hmm. He really taught us how to mm-hmm. think. Uh, he really showed us the, the really glorious background of, of, a, of a Reformed Christian apologetic mm-hmm. as you're looking at the, uh, the divergent worldly philosophies. Uh, but really, the struggle for me that first year was not in Greek and Hebrew because I was blessed to have had a year of Greek and a semester in Hebrew in my undergrad, which was, guys, if, if you're listening to this and you haven't come to seminary, if you're able to do that, um, mm-hmm. do it. It's it's extremely helpful. Um, but what I struggled with was was the the logic class and the rhetoric class and and these you know and hermeneutics you know these base level things that you think you know. Um, or you think you don't need to know, but as I, even just now, as I'm listening to Josh speak and, and I'm reflecting on this, my my preaching now is where it is because Dr. Carrick taught me that rhetoric class the way he did, hmm. and my my preaching, paper writing, and argumentation and speaking and teaching is the way it is because of the foundation that was laid for me by Dr. Curto in that logic class. And as much as I might have pushed against the goads, as it were, uh, and not wanted to do that fairly monotonous work, uh, I can see the wisdom in how they've set up that curriculum. Mm. And and really, the, the I guess you could say it, it's trailblazing uh, for, your, for your theological studies later on. Mm. Because, you know, logic is not our Lord, but our Lord is logical. And... Um, and it's very important to, as you're going through things like the hypostatic union or things like, you know, the, the, the three persons of the Trinity or God's sovereignty and, and man's responsibility or God's holiness and how he uses sin, to keep these laws of logic in mind. Mm. Uh, and also, you know, the whole story of the scriptures and, and, and then, you know, our hermeneutics, you know, we go back to the scriptures. That's our only rule of life and faith. And so those things that were pressed upon us our first year, which are not as glamorous 
Um, you know, the, the, the men who go out there and lay a foundation for a building don't get paid the same as the architect, but their work is absolutely uh, vital for the for the success of that mm-hmm. structure. Hmm. And so that's really how the first year is. And I would encourage uh, either guys who are coming in now or who have just finished their first year, you know, keep that in mind and, and understand, you know, as Zechariah said, don't despise the day of small things mm-hmm. and um, and use it. That's good. That's very good, Josh. Mike, can you um, can you talk about uh, the necessity of speaking and preaching um, and using logic um, in preaching? Uh, but then also, as you said earlier, logic isn't our God, but at the same time, we ought to use it. And how Greenville Seminary really helps you to use logic and not use it in order uh, to magnify man, but rather to magnify God. Can you? Mm. Speak to that a little bit. I've had the opportunity to exhort or preach uh, um, many times in seminary uh, through my work in the National Guard or, or in, in local churches. And as I've, I've had more and more repetitions uh, of, of sermons, um, you know, we, we know that the Scripture preaching is an exposition. It's an opening up of the life-giving Word of God. Mm. And we have – there are so many – uh, and I'm speaking from experience here. There are so many obstacles to being able to hear and understand God's word, and remember it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would, I would, uh, m- I make it part of my life's goal as uh, an aspiring uh, pastor and preacher. Uh, I don't want to add to those hindrances for people to remember mm-hmm. God's word, mm-hmm. and I want to be able to present it in a way that's compelling uh, and coherent and cogent. And and being able to just these, you know, even even throwing these terms out, it's kind of funny, but one of the things we learned in rhetoric, the concept of being mutually excu- exclusive and jointly exhaustive, meaning, you know, when you have an outline, this point covers this much, and it doesn't encroach upon point two or point three, and those points together cover the whole of your topic. And when I preach or when I prepare sermons, I seek to um, – figure out what the point of the text is, open it up in a way that's easy to remember, but covers everything that's there. Certainly, you got to take some stuff out that's that's extra or whatever, but that's really how logic, you know, that wasn't uh, Thornwell, you know, preaching mm-hmm. is logic on fire. I mm-hmm. mean, that's exactly mm-hmm. that's what right. it is. Um, and and that's been, I'm even now, it's amazing, I'm even now just, just starting to appreciate that um, and how much it's formed mm-hmm. my practice in, in, in preparing sermons and, all, and preaching. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Greenville is, uh, takes pride in the right sense of the word, preparing preachers, um, not just pastors. I mean, I, that's very important and necessary. But I think you would both agree that we've seen in recent days in the church in general, um, preaching really become sort of a sideline element in the church instead of where it should be as the prominent means of grace in worship in the church. And uh, so we get a heavy dose of that here. Um, and everything, as I understand things, and I think you can speak to this, of course, all the classes seem to connect to the preaching element in some capacity along the way. Uh, Mike's been talking about the logic classes and those first-year classes, and I can I totally understand what he was saying. Um, Mike was my debate partner, and we took that class day, and, and I had the same feeling. At, why am I doing this? This is pretty obvious, easy, simple, you know, kind of almost mundane, routine, 
But you see, so you start as you go through the seminary process and you get into your third and fourth year, you start seeing how these little pieces sort of fit together like a jigsaw puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have their purpose. They're not just doing it to fill time, um, as it were. What are some of the things, uh, and, and, and this question is, is really uh, born out of um, discussions I've had with students around the halls. I'm sure you've had the same kinds of discussions. Um, you come to seminary, and it's academics, 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 pretty much from morning to night, um, and maybe overnight. Um, we've all had those days. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, yes. Many times. But what are some of the maybe the spiritual struggles um, that you have had uh, as men, um, both husbands now, Mike coming to school as a husband, uh, Josh uh, becoming one uh, in school? What are some of the spiritual struggles? We'll start with Josh that you've seen uh, throughout these four years, and and how has the Lord helped mold you through that? Yeah. Um Honestly, as I said earlier, uh, I think it's it's helpful to summarize seminary as a rebuke, a daily rebuke and restoration mm, in Christ. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, I think what happens is um, we focus on the rebuke in that what you what you tell yourself is, I'm not getting this, I'm not equipped, I don't know if I'm called to this. And I think all of us go through that, um, whether it's whether it's the academic aspect at the seminary whether it's the first hard counseling situation in the local church, it, it doesn't matter. You realize that you are unfit and, and not as equipped as you ought to be in order to do what God has called you to do. And that's exactly, ironically, that's exactly where he wants us because at that point we are able to be dependent, but oftentimes what we do is we just stay there and we don't look to him for strength and we don't look for him mm-hmm. for, uh, for comfort and for equipping. But honestly, I think this is where uh, the ministry of my wife, to me, really comes into play. Um, uh, she sees me in all my faults and loves me. <laughs> and it's a wonderful picture to me uh, of, of how the Lord Jesus Christ sees me, how, how the Father sees us in Christ. On the one hand, I'm a, I am a horrible, wretched sinner, and oftentimes my heart is not even in the right place, not even the right county uh, to do the things that I have to do. And yet at the same time, he's patient, he's faithful, and he equips daily. And honestly, uh, it, to me, it proved the necessity of uh, uh, not, only, not only seminary, um, but, but living uh, with, uh, with my wife and, and now my son. It, it, it proves the necessity of, of being daily, personally shepherded by the Lord Jesus Christ in your private devotions and in your devotions as a family. Mm. That's, to me, that's where a lot of the equipping, a lot of the thoughts, a lot of the meditation uh, comes, where then I can be prepared uh, to do the academic. I'm in a right mindset. Uh, I'm not as prone to to be as self-interested, but rather I'm, I'm much more prone having reflected upon those things, mm. having given myself over to my wife, having given myself over to the Lord Jesus Christ in devotions to then do good work. So mm. that's that's what I would say. Mike, how about you? What kind of struggles um, have you experienced, seen the Lord work in your life uh, through these four years? Yeah, <clears throat> there's a 
That's a loaded question for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the I would say one I'd echo. I don't want to repeat what Josh just said, but but to resonate with him, uh, there's that sense where um, we understand that, uh, and I guess the weight of the fact that uh, I am a sinful man, I, mm. I believe called to preach to sinful men, um, and and really that that tension between, you know. Wow, you know, does God would God really call a man like me to this? And that's really where I, I've I grow to love. You know, I've grown more and more to love. You know, Paul in First Timothy, where he says, you know, I was I was a I was a blasphemer. I persecuted mm-hmm. the church, but mm-hmm. God counted me faithful, mm-hmm. and and He put me into the ministry. Um, he says in another place, though he's not necessarily talking about his sin, but he says in Corinthians, you know, we hold this glorious truth in earthen vessels. You see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of seminary, I suppose, has trained me to understand um, that I'm as just as much in need of grace, if not more so, than anybody else. Uh, and I am called to, to call others to the same Savior that I desperately need. Mm-hmm. And so that's just a, you know, that's a struggle. It's a struggle to, to put those things into play. Um, you know, another one is um, the, the struggle of dealing with the things of God in an unworthy manner, mm. uh, with an unworthy attitude mm-hmm. or, or irreverent attitude. You know, one of the one of the best things and, and I'm I'm saying this to commend it to everybody, if you can memorize the shorter catechism uh during your time here, it is so helpful to you. And I say that because of this, the third commandment uh, it says that the third commandment requires, in the short catechism, that um, it requires the holy and reverent use of all God's names, titles, attributes, word, and works. And there are certainly there have certainly been times in my time here in seminary where I have not where I have not handled God's word and works mm-hmm. reverently um, and in a holy manner. And so, because but sometimes you just got to get the work done, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you just got to prioritize and say, you know, I'm going to give this much time to this, and uh, I'm going to give this much time to this, and then I'm going to stop because guess what? I have a family, uh, and she's way more important, and my boys are way more important than getting an A on this paper. And um, because you know they're coming with me after seminary, and though my transcripts will exist, they're not going to be important at that time. So. Again, there's there's that almost a paradoxical relationship between the tyranny of the urgent, as it were, and the, uh, but also the reality of the matter of the things that you're working on. And I can honestly say I didn't I didn't struggle too much with uh, disassociating, you know, the work with the spiritual nature of the work mm. because that was really that's the canopy under which we're here. Mm-hmm. You know, we're here to do that. We're here, and 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 it's stressed to us all the time. You know, you're preparing for the ministry, preparing for the ministry, preparing for the ministry, and we got it, you know. And so I understood that, but but just actually sitting your nose to the grindstone, getting it done, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but not getting it done and, and really uh, trying not to do it in an unworthy way, mm. uh, that that's that was hard. Yeah, you obviously so. read Warfield's book, as you've mentioned earlier, because he talks about that in that book, The Religious Life of the Theological Student, uh, where he talks about that calling this is the, what God has called you to do this is what you're to do um, and it, it says far more than that but um, I know for me it was required reading when we came under care in the PCA mm-hmm. um, and we had to discuss it 
as well. But it's one of the things that you said, Mike, that is that intrigues me. Um, as I'm a husband, as you are. Um, I'm a different camp in situation. My children are all grown. You're raising your children. Josh is a husband. He's raising his first son. Um, you, you made the comment that you know my wife is far more important to me than my transcripts, as it were. I'm summarizing what you said. Um, and it's interesting. This is an aspect, I think, that gets lost on just about everybody who comes to seminary, and speaking generally. Um, and I'm reminded of an article I read by a man who went to, a, uh, went to seminary. It wasn't here, another seminary. And um, the title of the article is How I Lost My Wife in Seminary. And it was very, very convicting. Um, He got lost in the studies. He got lost in the theological rigor, the discussions with all of his friends about different finer points of doctrine and theology, failed to shepherd his wife. And I think the thing that you said that I I think is very important, and I want you to comment on this because I think this is a really critical issue. It is so easy to come to seminary and get so consumed with all of those things. And you should in the sense that this is what you're called to do. But you're called to be a husband, called to be a father as well. And how do you balance that appropriately? And what are some practical things you've done to keep that, the theological education side from, in, from basically becoming an all-encompassing aspect where your wife almost becomes sideline mm-hmm. information, mm-hmm. sideline relationship? We'll start with Josh. Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. And even over... over the last two years, as Lori and I have been married, I find myself really struggling. You know, it's so easy to, to uh, especially after having been single for, you know, 27 years, um, it's so easy to just think, this is what I have to do, I have to get this done, I might forego dinner, I might go do this, I can go here, but you know, when you get married, you can't just pack up shop and you know it's it's one o'clock in the morning go pick up a burger and and you know and you can't do that it's it's completely different you have someone there who uh who you are mutually dependent upon uh she's there uh supporting you you're there supporting her so how do you how do you take the right approach and i think that it's really categories um I think what it, what it comes down to, what it boils down to, is when I am at home, uh, and I give myself for four hours uh, from, let's say, from from four o'clock to eight o'clock, or from uh, from five o'clock to nine o'clock, uh, until everyone's going to bed. I am my wife's husband, and I am my son's father. Mm-hmm. And so it's coming in, and it's putting everything else on the back burner, because they don't deserve. Uh, the the type of treatment that they could undergo with being neglected, mm. and as as Micah said, it's it, it's it's really a, a question of of priority. Um, when you are there, you, you're gonna you, you come to seminary and you give yourself wholly to your studies. Um, what's more important, your studies or your wife? Well, I'm gonna give myself wholly to my wife and wholly to my child. When when we're together. Mm. And I think as a pastor, that has to carry over. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's it, as far as the flood of work and as far as the flood of, 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 pastor, of pastoral responsibility, it can eat away at the family as well. Yep. And, and I would say that as it, it's, putting, it's, it's, it's a little bit like putting your car into gear. When you, when you just switch into a, into a different gear, into a different category, 
when you're with your when you're with your wife and children hmm. um and 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 honestly it, it's not just oh it's about them oh it's about no it's about the life of christ being formed in my family there has to be a goal uh, every single day for our relationship and it's life in christ i can't leave my wife out of my studies she she wants to know to a certain degree. She she wants to know, but I can't sit there and talk about the fine points of Greek. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on the one hand, I can't overwhelm her, but on the other hand, I want to see her beautified in the Lord as we sit down and we talk about the scriptures and as we sit down and we do family worship. As I sit there and I and I tell my son over and over again how much I love him, uh, even though he can't talk. Um, so th- th- there's a I I need to be a father. I need to be a Christian father. You look forward to those days. <laughs> At some point, <laughs> when they couldn't talk, you'll know what I mean. There's no, I can't explain it. Are you referring to the teenage years? No, I'm just referring to when they can talk. Oh. When they start talking and they a can whole new challenge. Yeah, arises. A whole new challenge <laughs> arises. But it's a blessed. Challenge. But I think it is. It I think is. that I think that your family, and so, not not in an idolatrous way, but your family has to be a refuge from mm-hmm. the rigor of seminary. Yep. Someone, a good friend of mine, told me many years ago, what way before I even considered school. Um, that the road to the ministry runs right through your living room. Hmm. And if your living room isn't in order, if your home isn't in order, if, if your relationship with your wife and your children is a disaster, um, God's probably not calling you to that life of ministry. There's something in the Bible yet. about that, too. There is. I think, yeah. <laughs> but it's, an, yeah. it's one of those cute little cliches that right. just sort of sticks in your head and reminds you, uh, even rebukes you at times. Mm-hmm. Mike, how about you? You came to school with a wife um, and a child already, right? Uh, she was pregnant. Okay, that's here. right. Okay, so close enough. Yeah, you know, when I answer this question, I, I also have to acknowledge that in one way I have a, I have a really unique um, privilege, I guess. Uh, I didn't – because my church supported me, the work pressure that was put upon me mm. or that wasn't put upon me was much different mm. Um, I don't know if he's going to listen to this, but the guy I always think about is Jim Stevenson. That guy somehow oh, man. made it all the way through school. He's an OPC pastor in uh, Oklahoma now. Uh, he made it all the way through school. That guy worked like 20-some, maybe 30 hours a week, full-time student, four kids, and a wife, of course, and uh, they left intact, um, <laughs> and and that's amazing. But, um, yeah. you know, the Lord gave them what he was able to handle, um, mm. and, and I don't know if I would have been able to handle that, so I didn't get that. Um but anyway, the the things that I did, some practical things, very practical things that I did, and this matured uh, in my third and fourth year, was uh, I began to uh, wake up early. I did work <laughs> in the morning yeah. uh, while my family was asleep, and uh, I became a good friend of coffee uh, through that process. It's um, it hot tea for me. Uh, I, I'd go through my tea did you stages re, as did well. Did you rebrew your coffee, or did you just no, no? Thank did you. you not know that's a is that, that an abomination? That's a cardinal sin of tea drinking or <laughs> coffee drinking. Don't John Blevins, don't rebrew your coffee. Okay, yeah, I called you out. Yeah, <laughs> just there don't there do was it. a reason why I raised. You put it on I, Facebook. I, I raised public. that comment because <gasps> that's been a discussion of recent days around here. <laughs> Look, if you rebrew, you might as well just drink Folgers coffee if you're going to rebrew it. Right, it's right. cheap enough. That's okay. right. Anyway, ugh. Um, I tried to start working in the morning. Uh, another thing I did was um, 
I'd stay a little after class and work because when I came home, I wanted to be home. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's a little easier when it's just your wife because she can understand, okay, you know, it's fine. But, you know, my son's three years old, my oldest one now. And when he comes home, you know, he wants to play with dad and mm-hmm. mom wants him to play with dad too. <laughs> you <right>. know? <laughs> so I did. And, um, and you need to put that, put that away. Uh, and it's not, it's not like you're, you're com- over compartmentalizing your life. Uh, but it's like, hey, you know, as Josh said, you know, I'm 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 my kid's dad right now, and uh, and and it's not that I wasn't throughout the day. Like my heart is with him all day, and mm-hmm. and with my wife. But you know, this is the task I have at hand. So, really, the some practical things. I I got up early to work. Uh, many times I would I would work um, later at school before going home, um, and just scheduling and prioritizing your time. The other thing is, and uh, and not not to sound overly pietistic, but uh, when when Sunday came around, uh, school's gone. Mm. Um, uh, guarding the Lord's Day and everything, and and I was a little bit more sensitive with this, uh, but everything school related. I don't care what the topic is. It could be. I mean, I had to read Calvin's Institutes for for a class, um, but because it was tied to class, I didn't read it on Sunday. It was gone to the side um, because the Lord deserves a full day. Uh, he calls me to do that, and my family does as well. And so school is is gone um, uh, on Sundays. I had a graduate a graduate of the school. He, best advice he ever gave me when yeah. I came to seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. and, and don't you know, study on the Lord's Day. Now here's a big challenge that we faced, um, and 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 seminarians face this in their last couple of years. Is a lot of times we're, we're filling pulpits on Sundays, mm-hmm. and many pastors are able to take a day off. Um, and 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 I made a decision this semester uh, to really back off from that because it was my fall semester this year back in uh, the end of 2012. It was it was horrible. I got licensed. Um, that was great, you know. But I, I went through the licensure <laughs> process. I had just a load of preaching opportunities, mm-hmm. all this stuff, and I was I was smoked. <clears throat> it was terrible, and it really put a put a lot of pressure uh, and, and tension on our marriage. Um, so. Keep keep your Sundays clear. Uh, honor the Lord in that, and He'll bless you. He will. Mm-hmm. Read the end of Isaiah fifty eight. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I'm not just saying name it and claim it. Like read it and believe it. You know, and uh, and so and just practical things. Put it out, and then you know, keep up a, a good a good as consistent as possible uh, routine of family worship. Teach mm-hmm. your children. Um, put your kids to bed. You know, like be be the one who puts your kids to bed. So yeah. In in addition to like that, that, though, yeah. I think. Uh, we really have to give ourselves over to our wives too. Mm-hmm. When they're sure. talking to us, it's so easy oh, to be yeah. thinking about. That's true. You know uh, what I need to be doing, and, and it's so easy to, uh, to to push their concerns and what they are finding important off to the side as though it's not as important. When it really is, just in just listening to them, uh, and that's that's a, that's been a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, but but giving yourselves over, your our wives have to know that they are here through this time with us and that we love them and that we're here to minister to them as well. The other thing is really uh, for those who are married, just encourage your wives to be involved in the seminary wives uh, activities as well because uh, yes, when they go to that, they're away from, from you. But uh, you know, it's almost like you know an army wives type thing. There's a there's a community there. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a bond there and, and they're really refreshing too. So I know that Katie really profited from that. Um, they need fellowship just as much as we do, right? right. And yeah. they need to, get, yeah. If, if if your wives are at home raising kids, they need to talk to somebody who's older than five every now and again. Yeah. So it's good. Hmm. Is that including their husband? Yes, but you know, no, it's not including your husband. Sorry, <laughs> not including the husband. I told you this was the brother-in-law 
broadcast. Yes. Hopefully they won't punch each other before it's oh, over. No. We don't we don't fight anymore. No. But um, one thing Mike said that just prompted in my uh, brain um, something that I used to tell young parents um, things that we would try to do. We didn't do this well every time, but um, as most of you know, I have three children, all grown, um, one married now actually. Um, but is there's there's few things more valuable in a marriage when you have small children especially is putting your kids to bed early in Mm -hmm. the evening Mm -hmm. now you have to decide what that is what's early um but we would try to have our kids down by eight at night roughly um so that was now it was husband wife time that's right no distraction no care no no you know kid running from room to room that kind of thing and even if it was just an hour or two a day um with none of that going on um it's not to say you don't love your children or anything like that, but you, you know you just have that that time, that place, that face-to-face time without that, I don't want to say distraction. That's really the wrong word, but I think you know what I mean. Um, and that's a huge benefit, but that, this is not a broadcast of how to raise children. The, um, uh, the other, one thing I forgot to mention, too, that really helped us was, was really being involved in our local church as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, the prayer meetings and, and fellowship meals and, and, and even hanging out with just friends, you know, having people over. Because it... You know, yes, we're in seminary. Yes, you're working. Yeah, you know, you're a seminarian. But you're also a man, and you're a Christian. You're under the authority of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, pour, pour your life into that. And, yep. and, and That's right. you know, it's it's a, such an important thing. It and teaches your, your, your wife and your children, you know, that this is this is the priority. This is why we're here. Mm-hmm. So I just, I can't, I can't stress enough, you know, yes, you're in seminary. You're going to class. And it and it is a large portion of your life, but you ought not let it to dominate your life mm-hmm. in a in an improper sense. Because listen, if you're going to be a pastor, you're going to be a man of study. But people, you must love the Lord, and you must pour yourself into His people. And and I'll, I'll just my last little comment there: if you're only reading and writing papers, your social skills will diminish greatly. Mm-hmm. You need to learn how to interact with people, and even people who disagree with you. So, and I'd add to that that. Real theology, our theology, ought to be worked out not at the desk, not in the in an academic atmosphere such as seminary, but rather in the local church. Mm-hmm. There it ought to be refined. There it ought to be communicated. There uh, the joy of it ought to be communicated. Um, and so absolutely, absolutely. And, and not only that, but there's also a difference going back to the, our, the fellowship of our wives with one another. Uh, they need older women in their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need women who have uh, who are who are past, um, uh, who who have gone before in seminary studies, or or, or uh, their husbands have, and are in the pastorate. They need that type of type of discipleship as well, so that they see where we're going, um, and that they can have a, a, a I guess a, a goal for themselves mm-hmm. in mind. So they need it just as much as far as life in the local church. They need it just as much as we do. Yeah. Let me ask this question real. I want you to give a short answer, even though. Well, when you hear the question, you'll. Like a a one word. May have a difficult time answering this short in a short manner. But try. Um, What role? I'll start with Mike, um, since he's been a husband a little bit longer. Uh, I have a wife, Uh, not a husband. Uh, Yeah, you're right. That was. Brilliant. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, what was my question? Oh, yeah. Um, what role has your wife 
fulfilled for you as a seminary student? Lifesaver. Hmm. Not the candy. No. But sweetest okay. candy. Oh, yeah, sure. Sweetest candy, Josh. Um, it, yeah, that's my short answer. Uh, I can elaborate shortly. Um, I'm pretty sure that if I was single through seminary, I wouldn't eat much or healthy. Like, she's, she takes care of me so much. Like, she's she may, I mean, she's so consistent. Um, and the things she does are, are very thankless unless we unless I thank her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes Nate thanks her, which is always nice. Uh, but, I mean, she she keeps up our home in an amazing way. She uh, feeds us and, 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 and opens up the realm of hospitality for us as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in those times where I do need to get work done, she shields me. Uh, she keeps Nate out. Like, my, my home is not very conducive to studying at the home because – the only place where we could have my desk is, is kind of an open area. But she does a great job. She has done a pretty good job of keeping um, Nate away, who's my number one distraction mm, to study. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, she is – She is. Uh, God has certainly used her to uh, multiply my uh, my time here for sure. Yeah, well said, Josh. Help meet. Obviously, that's the that's the basic biblical answer. But mm-hmm. but honestly, you just one up me. Yeah, I, sorry. I, did I? Uh, yeah. Um, but let me tell you the um the the quality of womanhood that has come from the Wall family uh is is beautiful. Just so you know, the Wall family that's our uh, that's where yes. our wives come from. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, is is wonderful. They all have. They've all been gifted by the Lord with the gift of hospitality. Um, Lori uh, supplements. She she really does uh, allow me to do the things that I couldn't do if I were single. Um, I would probably be wearing clothes that were three or four days old. <laughs> um, hadn't been washed in quite some time. Um, it's but true. It's tr- it's totally true. Uh, she is she is wonderful. And, and and this goes back to giving our, our wives uh, time, mm-hmm. but uh, but purposefully, intentionally thanking them. It's it's not that they aren't working; they are working hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are working harder than we are at. Sometimes. They're just not getting paid. They're just not getting paid for it. And uh, but but treating them with with all the dignity that they deserve and all the love that you can muster is uh, date nights are extremely important. Oh, that's a great suggestion. Um, and, 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 and every once in a while, even though we are typically poor in seminary, uh, gifts. Um, they, they have to know that they are our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, not in an idolatrous way, obviously, but right. that, they, that we cherish them. And so, yep, yeah. absolutely. We're running short on time. I want to just quickly uh, touch on some of the academic aspects of the school. We've talked, we talked around this a little bit and maybe more specifically as far as your, fir- your first encounter. But I do want to ask, um, which class, I'll start with Mike on this one, which was your favorite class? It's not really the best way to express it, but I think you know what I mean. Um, in your four years being here, what was the class that I guess you enjoyed the most, that you felt you got the most out of, both from a spiritual and academic perspective? I can't, I can't do one, um, but I, I'll, I'll do more a short one. list okay. and the reasons. Sure. One uh, is, is, as I mentioned, history of philosophy with Bebo Elkin because he opened up my 
mind to um, the importance and the usefulness of apologetics against the backdrop of pagan philosophy. And mm-hmm. that was that that set me off on the right track for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Reformed pastor is uh, by far and away, I think it's consensus favorite. Um, f- well, almost consensus favorite. Uh, just Bill Shishko's wisdom, godliness, and uh, practical teaching is amazing. And Josh and I talked about how the fact, I mean, it's an intensive course, 39 hours and five days. And uh, I've never left an intensive course more refreshed than when I began. Absolutely. And that's exactly how we all felt at mm-hmm. the end of that course. And it was, and, and I had a unique privilege of being able to take that with my dad, who had just been ordained as an elder in the OPC. Uh, and he brought a really great dimension to that class as a mm-hmm. counselor. So mm. um, Reformed Pasha was fantastic. Um, Reformed Worship was was also wonderful because it opened up to us the theology of worship, why we do what we do. And then lastly, Christ and Salvation with Dr. Piper. He taught both Reform Worship and Christ Salvation, and particularly in that class, the, the, the instruction on union with Christ. That, I can say in good conscience, absolutely revolutionized my Christian life. Hmm. And, that, and that was even in the last year. Um, hmm. Just the doctrine of union with Christ is a is a glorious glorious thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and so those those four classes i would say really stick out to me josh um boy it, it's hard to add on to that i'll add only one um reformation church history with dr mcgoldrick mm-hmm. yep um you you learn what these men went through uh in, in sitting in sitting there with with dr mcgoldrick it is a it is like trying to take a, gl- a glass of water from a fire hydrant with a Dixie cup. <laughs> it is. It is. It is so much information, but it is good, and it's been reflected upon, and it's been reflected through. And he has this vast storage of knowledge regarding his field, um, and 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 oftentimes, I, I think we we stuck we stuck around and we asked him questions and. Um, and it was it was just wonderful to hear how the reformers came to the conclusions that they, in the context that they came mm. to those conclusions, mm-hmm. and how the Lord showed His faithfulness throughout the church, throughout uh, the history of the church, and how He's still doing it today. And so, um, as uh, to me, church history really mm-hmm. solidified in my mind um, where we where we can go, what does need to be uh, developed within theology, within the realm of theology, but where we cannot go. Mm. Um, And I think especially within uh, the PCA right now, we're experiencing certain things uh, where if we had been better church historians, we wouldn't be arguing and we wouldn't be dealing with some of the things that we're dealing. Interesting. Well, like I said, we're running short on time and do want to get you guys off. I'm sure you have plenty to do between now and Friday. Um, So in conclusion... I'm going to ask two questions. Um, the second question is easy. First question, you might think about it for a minute. But if you had a room full of brand new, wet behind the year seminary students, not necessarily here, but anywhere, um, and you had a just, and you only had the opportunity to give them one or two pieces of counsel, wisdom from your four years of going, have gone through it now, and on the brink of graduating, what would you tell them? We'll start with Mike. Well, I actually got to do that uh, at the start of this year. I, I got to speak as the fourth-year rep to the incoming students, and, and I, told them, I told them five things. Um, I, gave them, I gave them three encouragements and two cautions. 
and uh, I'll do my best to remember them. The first one uh, is, and generally, basically, I think it was, um, I, I, I encouraged them, I exhorted them to, to guard their lives in holiness, um, mm-hmm. to pursue holiness without which no man will see the Lord, you know, to, to look, uh, look unto Jesus, you know, the author and finisher of their faith. Um, that is absolutely primary, mm. and understanding that as you set your hand to the plow here, you're 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 seeking to work in His harvest. You see, mm. mm-hmm. uh, the second one is what we talked about at length: is you guard your family above all else. Um, you guard your guard your wife, and you guard your children if you have them. And and uh, and I'd add as a, as a parenthesis here: um, don't be afraid to have children in seminary. The Lord will provide for you. Uh, that's a matter of faith. I'm not binding anyone's conscience, but. Children are such a gift and, and mm-hmm. such a preparation uh, for your life and, 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 and a, a sanctifying influence for sure. So uh, guard your own holiness, pursue it, uh, guard your family. And then the third exhortation I gave them was, was uh, to, to memorize the Shorter Catechism. That, that gives you such a wonderful framework uh, in which you can work out your theology. It's safeguard. You know, it's a safeguard for you. Mm. The, two, uh, the two cautions I gave them the two cautions were, first, uh, to resist as much as possible, and I'm guilty of this, and I, I, I've repented of this, I regret it, develop, uh, to, to, to avoid at all costs developing a critical spirit. Okay. It is easy. It is so easy. Any fool can start a quarrel. Mm-hmm. Any fool can point out a flaw in a structure, but it takes a wise man to build it. Um, don't develop a critical attitude, and I'm guilty of this. Mm-hmm. Um, these men are wiser than you. They're smarter than you, um, and and they are here to teach you and you to learn from them. So avoid that. And then the, the last caution I gave them was um, as you are interacting with different theologies, different viewpoints, different perspectives, never forget that there are people with souls who mm-hmm. hold those views. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Arminianism, the big bad, you know, soteriological heresy there are many godly people who hold that view okay um any kind of christological heresies there are people who believe it who are going to hell who believe that and there's nothing funny about it uh there's nothing trivial about it and it's so important to keep you humble uh and 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 your heart in the right place to remember that there are people who hold these things that's why we know them Mm. Uh, and and to keep that in mind as you're interacting with actual people, because there can be a disparity between how you talk about something in the classroom, and then how you talk about a person or you talk to a person outside of the classroom with that view, yeah. uh, and you realize, oh, maybe I shouldn't be so harsh. Mm-hmm. Um, so you contend earnestly for the faith, of course, but you know you let your speech be uh, be be seasoned with salt to give grace to those who hear. So those those five things is what I said, mm-hmm. and I would say again. Yeah, well said, Josh. Uh, I would add, as far as the student himself, mm-hmm. I would add, uh, uh, I appreciate everything that Mike just said and resonate with it. I'd add two things as far as, um, as far as how to approach seminary. Um, firstly, and we've, we've hit on this before, but l- live your life in the local church. Uh, you must be there. The seminary is not the church. The mm. parachurch is not the church. There are no means of grace here. <laughs> Enjoy the fellowship of the Lord's people on the Lord's Day. Um, but then secondly, uh, and, and I think Mike did this really well uh, this last year, and I've done it before over the course of a year, year and a half, 
is find find um, a section within theology uh, that's your baby. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Mike did a lot of stuff regarding uh, the emergent church and postmodernism this last year. I've done uh, a decent amount of work in mysticism. Uh, and and try and find a way to and, and this is just for the sake of writing papers, spending time with your family, um, but uh, find themes that you yourself know a lot about and are interested in, and you see to be, uh, uh, I guess, motifs in Christendom, and interact with them, mm. uh, so that over the course of four years, let's say you have eight or nine papers that are dealing with postmodernism or the emergent church and you're able to then take that material and um, and use it and summarize it and and, uh, and and teach it to the church and already have something to to give to the church to equip them uh, for for knowledge uh, for righteousness for holiness um, uh, that they may be equipped that they might partake of the fruit of what you've done mm. um, and so uh, and there are plenty of opportunities to do that within within uh, the classes uh, we've talked about Christ and salvation we've talked about uh, Reformation church history we've talked about um, apologetics we've talked about philosophy there are all sorts of ways that you can interact uh, with one field and, and and really become a semi-expert in and, and that'll really alleviate uh, a lot of uh, pain and a lot of paper writing um, and it'll be it, it'll be good. And allow yourself to have fun every now and again. Yes, that would be the last thing. Please yes. just go hang out or go for a hike or something. That's Play right. ultimate frisbee. Actually, I'd recommend it. Or tennis. Not tennis. Ultimate <laughs> frisbee is better. <laughs> I'm making no comments. I will. I would underscore all of those things personally. Um, <clears throat> I'm not where these guys are as far as the academic <clears throat> process. Um, most of you know that I'm a second year going into my third year, Lord willing. Um, but <clears throat> one thing that I would add or underscore or accentuate it's been said in some way shape or form already but i would add this um i had a conversation with a first year student here um and i encouraged him to um realize that some of the driest days of your spiritual life can be right here during these four years Mm -hmm. and if you do not stay in the word of god and pray for your own feeding and edification and feed your soul you are in big trouble amen um, it, it's there's no substitute. You know, sitting in the classroom week after week, day after day, hour after hour is not a substitute for spending time in the Word of God, so that the, the Spirit of God can feed your own soul. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> memorizing all the Greek paradigms is not going to do that, but being in the Word of God will. Um, another thing that <clears throat> Warfield actually points out in that little book. So, with all these things said, these are great suggestions. Um, of course, they have to be employed. They have to be taken advantage of, used. Um, and now nobody listening to this can say, I've never heard that before. So, yeah, yeah you have, um, clearly. On a lighter note, as we conclude, um, Mike, tell us what your future plans are. Um, graduating, obviously, on Friday. Um, big things on the horizon, it sounds like. Um, tell us where the Lord's taking you. I was hoping you'd ask what my favorite memory is of seminary, but anyway. Um, yeah. What, okay. Well, <laughs> no, no, what no. is your favorite memory? I thought we were running short on time. No. I can't go there. Uh, oh, but anyway, yeah. good times. Anyway. Um, I won't ask Josh that question because I already know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> I got married. Um, okay. 
Yeah, my plans. Uh, well, actually, yeah, they're the greatest members of seminaries. My boys being born, man, right. something yeah. else. Anyway, um, my plans uh, in God's good providence, I have been uh, asked to go and be, take up the work in an OPC plant in Royston, Georgia, at Heritage Reformed Presbyterian Church. Mm. I start there officially on June thirtieth as an intern, um, sort of like stated supply, and then uh, pending uh, approval and, and desire from the congregation. Uh, they may extend a call. The presbytery would have to call me as an organizing pastor uh, somewhere around October, uh, and so I'll be I'll begin there. Um, and I'm also a, a chaplain candidate in the National Guard here in South Carolina, Army, not Air. Um, so go Army, beat Navy. Um, and I have to decide soon. Uh, well, within the next six months, I've really got to decide what to do with that. And so whether whether I'll remain in the chaplaincy or not is still up in the air. Um, but obviously, the church is primary. And so uh, we'll see what happens. Mm. Josh? Uh, the Lord has called Lori and I, um, me in particular, uh, to go to Mobile, Alabama, and I'll be functioning as an assistant pastor and uh, really looking forward to going home. Uh, this is this is uh, Christ Presbyterian Church in Mobile, Alabama. This is the church that sent me here. And so I have the unique privilege of going back to the place uh, that sent me, uh, that had... Uh, discerned that I had gifts for the ministry that had uh, uh, sent me here with their uh, affirmation. And uh, so I get to go and return and, uh, and pour out my heart and my life uh, and, and love the people there at Christ Presbyterian Church in Mobile, Alabama. So I'm looking forward to joining them very soon. And, and we'll start, uh, actually I'll start uh, June 1st. So uh, there's no uh, no, n- there's not much rest. In no fact, rest, uh, no rest for the weary. That's right. In fact, uh, finished. Uh, Mike and I have both finished our exams early, uh, but ever since then I've been packing. So uh, I got a house full of boxes. And we wouldn't have made it here without Chris Cashin, Jeremy Logan, and Stephen Cook. That's right. Uh, Mark Kozak also, and Rob Dykes. That's right. We got to give shout out to our other uh, other MD Brian grads. Prouty. Brian Prouty, uh, you know, we got Margaret Lee and Caleb, they're graduating, but they're MA. So but these are our brothers, and one of the things that I think we'll all agree with, from, from Bebo Elkins' history philosophy class to our last class here at Greenville the- Theological Seminary, there is a camaraderie oh, yeah. and a brotherhood. I love those guys. Uh, that, that we will all cherish, and that we'll all love, and that we will all find sacred, uh, and hopefully that, uh, that these relationships will continue to flower and, uh, and grow. So. Yeah, I didn't ask that question, and it's really an interesting point. I don't really want to, for time's sake, don't want to digress too far into it, but um, just made the comment offhand just the other day that <clears throat> these relationships you develop in seminary are going to be very, very important in the ministry because when things are really awful That's right. and things are really difficult, um, you, you can't go bending the ear of one of your congregants. No, you call um, your brothers. Yeah, it, and it, first I, I would strongly suggest you talk to your elders. Yeah. Those are the men that you should be leaning on heavily. Um, obviously, and but then you know also fellow ministers who have probably been through this before or have had similar dealings with issues that you're dealing with, and that is a huge, huge help that cannot be um, underst- uh, overstated. So um, I'm glad you brought that up, gentlemen. It's been great having you. I've got a chance to know you now for all four years. I think pretty much. Um, I remember when you guys were first year guys, and I was just a lowly second class student. Um, y'all know glad that. you're here, Bill. Yeah, we are that. glad that you're here. Um, now that we're leaving, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they finally warmed up to me after four years. Um, Even though you are a Yankees fan, but um, you know he he had to go there. I did. I told him I wouldn't bring it up, but um, yeah. we'll leave that alone. There's always room for sanctification. There's always, yeah, of course. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. 
But it's been good talking with you guys, getting to know you as brothers. I um, I respect both of you and for what you've done and where you've come from, um, watching you grow, um, having your first ch- child. I, I remember um, those announcements going out and, and having the opportunity to reflect back on my emotions as my children were born and, and knowing what you guys were going through, what you were feeling. Um, all is right in the world, no matter what's going on. Could have been nuclear bombs blowing up somewhere else, and you'd have, it wouldn't have it just this it's great my kid's born <laughs> nothing's wrong in the world um kind of feeling mike's giving me a funny look um maybe well, yeah not, nuclear bombs are, maybe maybe not nuclear, yeah that is okay. that is pretty bad not, not yeah. nuclear bombs but it was important though. did you know what i mean yeah sure, sure. everything's right in the world um kind of feeling <laughs> and <laughs> just seeing you grow in that and um rebuke me from time to time when i needed it and um so it's been great it's been great talking with you and hearing some of these insights some of it i of course already knew but some I didn't, and it's good to hear um, those things. And I think some of the things that you've said to those who might be considering ministry or maybe in the middle of it, they ought to consider. Um, you have experience now, four years of this grueling, rigorous type of work, and um, a fool doesn't listen to people who've gone before him. And so it's uh, be uh, wise of all of us to listen carefully to some of these things. So, gentlemen, thank you um, for okay. your service to the church and for your labors here and uh, Lord's blessing. Uh, on you both, um, you have a lot of work to do, um, as I know you know, um, in the future. So um, may the Lord bless it, and I know he will. You've been listening to an interview, a discussion, as it were, candid discussion, um, aside from the baseball comments, um, edifying comments, um, with two graduates of Greenville Seminary, Josh Sparkman and Mike Myers. They are both uh, set to head out into uh, into the harvest uh, and to labor there uh, as the Lord's under-shepherd uh, in the church. And so I hope you've enjoyed this discussion, um, maybe considered some of these things. Those who are thinking about seminary uh, need to ponder some of the comments that, that were made. Um, it's a sacrifice, I mean, there's no two ways about it. And... Um, if you're not prepared to make the sacrifice, don't do it. Um, there's a lot to give up, and um, but there's so much more to gain mm-hmm. in the process. So uh, um, we wish the Lord's uh, blessing on both of them as they head into the Lord's harvest to do the work uh, as ministers of the gospel. Coming up on the program um, in a few weeks, I'll be speaking with Dr. Joseph Piper uh, on that new segment I mentioned ahead of, up front. Uh, Faith and Practice is the segment, and so if you have questions, get them in to me, um, and we will filter them and present them to Dr. Piper so he can answer, uh, have time to prepare to answer these questions. Some of them I've received to date have been very, very good, uh, and so take advantage of that opportunity um, as well. If you want to know more information about the podcast, listen to past broadcasts, you can simply find, you can find that information simply, very easily at our website, Confessing Our Hope. So until next time, we do thank you for listening to this particular edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. And God bless.